Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to The Long View, a GBB podcast centered around the idea of sustainable success and just the long view of the Memphis Grizzlies future. You know, we're, we're, we're looking at things into the scope of what the Grizzlies, Memphis Grizzlies can do to bring a championship parade to Bill Street. So you'll, you'll hear this about game recaps, draft prospects, Current Grizzly players, free agent targets, trade targets, storylines, the whole the whole shebang. I'll cover everything with the sense of the long view in mind because the goal of this front office is to bring a championship to the city of Memphis. Ways to find the long view? You can find it on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, the Core 4 Podcast, 3ND, and the Starting 5 Podcast. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than the host of the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast, GBB, senior staff writer, once the locker room legend, but now he is the green room guru. That is none other than Sean Coleman. Sean, how's it going, man? What's going on, Parker? Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to uh, to be on uh, this uh, new edition of a, a Grizzly Bear Blues podcast. It, it's where I got my start. Uh, it's led to new opportunities for me. I'm glad to see this from you. There's not anybody better that could sit there, especially from this perspective, and offer his insight. So I just thank you for allowing for me to be a part of it. It's a pleasure to be on. Absolutely. And you know, Sean... This podcast today is it's kind of gonna pain me a little bit because my, my dad never really raised me to be a hater or anything, but there's one thing he raised me to do, and that is to not like the tennis evolves. I grew up a Memphis fan and then I went to Ole Miss. And you know, a love for Tennessee just never never really stuck. It never really stuck with me and my family. You know, my, my cousins. Uh, kind of becoming a little bit of a Tennessee fan now because she's dating a guy that graduated from uh, University of Tennessee in Knoxville. So it's just, it, it's 
paining me a little bit to suggest that these two young players could end up becoming Memphis Grizzlies. But, you know, there's a reason why I'm talking about these two guys because, for one, I got Sean Coleman here who's a big fan of Tennessee basketball, Tennessee sports in general, and he's very knowledgeable on these guys. And also, too, they're both really young players with intriguing upsides that would actually fit really well in Memphis. Granted, there's different ranges for these guys, but, you know, the Grizzlies have the assets to do whatever it takes, but I, I want to get into it real quick here. I am talking about Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, the two five-star recruits from Tennessee's recruiting class in the 2019-2020 recruiting class. Uh, they completed their freshman year to kind of – it was kind of weird. You know, they had COVID stuff kind of hitting them in the beginning of the year. They were slowly eased into the starting lineup. And then they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Sean, with, with those two guys in particular, something that I kind of saw just from box score watching or stuff I saw in general, was, was Rick Barnes kind of holding those guys back a little bit? I don't even want to be that kind to Rick Barnes, to be honest with you. It's not even a matter of holding them back. I honestly, Parker, don't think he knew what to do with them. Like, I, I really don't. And, and I don't like to say that about the team that I cheer for, but it, it's been consistent with Rick Barnes in that he just does not make the most of the opportunity he has. But I'll leave, you know, reasons why you shouldn't be a Tennessee fan, you know, to the wayside for another time. With Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, yes, I, I do think that there was a lot to be desired, a lot to be left on the table, not necessarily from them, but how they were used. When those two were both going and going well, they were healthy, and they were heavily involved in the offense, that's when our offense was going well. Because beyond that, we were a mid-range shooting team that hopefully found some good opportunities and played strong defense You know, from three. But with those two involved, there was so much more creativity, the opportunity for us to be able to add some athleticism to the mix with Yves Pons and Keon Johnson as cutters and finishers, getting into the transition game with Keon and Jaden. But overall, yes, just a simple answer to your question, there definitely was a lot left on the table when it came to Johnson and Springer at Tennessee. And why I think there should be a little bit of a – give them a little bit of a break, I guess, or the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their stouts, don't stats, don't read all about, don't base your opinion on them all about their stats this year. There is significant, significant tools in the tool chest for each player when it comes to drafting them in this year's draft. Oh, for sure. And I want to start first with Keon Johnson. He He's somebody who he's stuck in that neighborhood of, between six and eight, he's kind of solidified himself with Scotty Barnes as a guy who will likely be drafted in the top eight and at worst top 10. And, you know, actually I was hearing uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin O'Connor and Jay Kyle Mann talk about him on a Ringer podcast last night about just his potential and how he's a good guy that some team could end up hitting a home run on outside the top five. And, you know, I understand the skeptics of Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. I'll start with Keon first, though. Uh, he, he wasn't really a factor from three. He shot sub he about 27% from three, low volume. Uh, he kind of put up a little bit of a stinker in that NCAA tournament game. But granted, the whole team did, really. 
And he was like a pretty good playmaker, but you kind of have to like watch film to see how good of a playmaker he was. He didn't really have any high assist games. I also think that's a product of college basketball, in my opinion. But what is it that makes Keon Johnson so tantalizing beyond the stats to where you have very, very strong NBA draft mind suggesting that Keon Johnson is like a, a surefire top eight guy in this draft. It's his athleticism and explosiveness. And, and it's not just that, it's the way he uses it, right? I mean, when you look at Keon Johnson's game, the ability for him to cover space is amazing. His lateral quickness is amazing. His finishing ability is amazing. All the things that you see from a young, athletic, explosive player. But the thing that separates Keon Johnson from other players who are like that are number one is age, a very young, um, I believe he's 19 now. And so that explosiveness, that, that, that athleticism is certainly there. But there's also the functional aspect of it. You're not talking about a guy who just is running all around the court, looking into making impactful plays. You're talking about someone who has the IQ of knowing when and where to use his athleticism to make an impact. And he especially is doing that on the defensive end of the court, which for someone his age to be as highly impactful as he is on defense, that stands out. With Keon Johnson, you get a lot to work with, a foundation to work with that you typically don't see with prospects that age who you would first describe as being athletic and explosive. And there's also the IQ that also allows for him to be such a good defensive player. It adds value offensively with being a cutter, as well as being someone that can make plays getting to the rim, can make plays passing, and obviously as an alley-oop threat in transition. So there's a lot to like with Keon, not just because of his athleticism and his explosiveness, but what sets him apart is at such a young age, he knows how to use those in a functional way to add value on both ends of the court, especially defensively. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. You know, today to prep for this podcast, uh, I had some time during lunch when I was, going to get my allergy shot. I always have to wait 30 minutes. So I'm like, you know what? Let's watch some uh, draft film. So I always go over to Hoop Intellect and I was watching some uh, f- film on Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. Like you said, just the way that Keon uses his athleticism is crazy. Obviously recovering all on defense and making big time blocks or going in fast break and making explosive uh, dunks or even just driving and just going off two feet and just punching it in on someone. It's really nice. But one thing that really just stuck with me, I actually took a screenshot of it because I was so intrigued by it. As you know, he had a mismatch in the low post. He backed him down, went to the middle of the paint. He rose up for a mid-range jumper. And I swear, Sean, it looks like he was eye level with the rim. His his leaping abilities in the mid-range are insane coming off the jumper. And you know, when you read the the Ringer draft guide, when it comes to Keon Johnson, he he's a top 10 guy in there, like I just mentioned. But just what Kevin O'Connor says about him makes him such an intriguing prospect. He said that he's a guy that he has potential to be a go-to scorer because of that functional athleticism and that touch in the mid-range. I mean, his shot's not broken either. Like, he, he's a guy that he, he just needs reps from the outside. Do you see that same potential to be 
a guy who can be a shooting guard that averages like 18 to 20 a night, or is his role going to be more of kind of like that energy guy who's going to just make big plays both offensively and defensively, and then here and there will give you an explosive like 25 to 30 point night? Sure, yeah. I think that you're going to see him start out, as you mentioned, the energy guy who could explode occasionally for 25 to 30 points. But I do think he can settle into that 18 to 20 range when it comes to points per game. A couple of prospects that stand out as being defensive stoppers that I think you can compare where Keon's looking to be drafted in this draft over the past couple of drafts. Scotty Barnes stand out as one, though he's more of a true wing, but Isaac Okoro and Jared Culver are two other guys that you can stand out. They're more polished defenders than you see with Keon Johnson. They're more polished. Keon's more based off athleticism and explosiveness, but I think that that's what allows for him to maybe have a bit more immediate and higher upside on offense is how he uses that explosiveness and that athleticism. The explosiveness is there as a cutter, as a finisher that could allow for him to do things off the ball with the IQ of knowing how to do it as well. But his ability to start and stop and jump high to get his shot off, that is something, especially with Taylor Jenkins, I think that really could form into a reliable jump shooter. I feel that that's one area of his game. You saw some highlights, watch the same hoop intellect video where there was a good IQ of starting and stopping. There was a premeditated plan when it came to his ability to attack his defender, to set the defender up to create space with either a step back or with good lateral quickness to get enough space to make the shot from three or from the mid range. It's very inconsistent. It's not frequent he does it on a consistent basis, but there's enough there to work with with a good shooting coach that can make him a reliable shooter. And that's why I think his athleticism and his explosiveness once again sets him apart because they can aid into him creating space in small areas to get his shot off and get it his shot off himself, which is certainly something you need in today's NBA. Absolutely. And you know, Sean, we talked about this on the Lots on Grizzlies podcast. We've had plenty of Slack conversations about it. But the idea of moving up into the lottery and trying to get a guy that can be a guy that eventually starts next to John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks down the road. Is Keon Johnson a guy that the Grizzlies should use some assets to trade up for? And if so, where do you kind of have him on a board? of guys worth trading up for obviously outside of your Cunningham Mobley Suggs Green Kaminga tier I either have him tied for third or fourth Uh, my number one guy as we have discussed Parker is Moses Moody my number two guy especially if he falls into the latter lottery is Corey Kispert and then I'll put James Booknight there at three and I'll put Key on there at three as well I wouldn't trade asset enough assets and when I talk about enough assets I think we're going to have to talk about like having to discuss Brandon Clark or the Golden State pick to move into the top 10 in this draft. I wouldn't move that type of asset with 17 to move up to the top 10 to get Keon, but I could see Keon being a guy that could fall. And if he falls, he fits the Grizzlies. He checks a lot of boxes for the Grizzlies. He's that defensive impact type guy in a lot of different ways that they love to get. And he also is someone that has plenty of tools in his tool tool set to be able to have plenty of significant upside when it comes to his shooting. 
So I would go after Moses Moody. I would go after Kispert, probably book night before Keon Johnson, but he's right there in my top three or four to trade up for. And I would love for him to be a long-term answer with Jaw because I think that there's plenty to work with, especially when it comes to a defensive partner who could really make a difference at the two-guard position for the Grizzlies. No, for sure. And I, I kind of have that same board of players straight up for it's Moody. I'm surprised you had Kispert ahead of Boat Knight. I actually had Boat Knight ahead of Kispert. Uh, my, uh, Mark Schindler of uh, Indy Cornrows and uh, Premium Hoops, he, he's a guy that really sold me on Boat Knight. He's like 1A, 1, it's like 1A, 1B with him and Moody. Uh, Keon, like right there behind uh, Kispert. Get, hey, you never know. He could fall. You somehow got him in the Mavs draft, uh, Twitter mock draft at 17. Uh, Zach Kleiman would be applauding you right now if you were able to get that kind of heist over at 17. But you, you kind of had a little prelude to a question, the final question on Keon Johnson I was going to ask you. And this is my long view question of this draft podcast for Keon Johnson. Can he be that two guard next to John Morant when it comes down to it three, four, five, six years down the road? Kenny, yes, because one of the things that he offers that's very important, he offers one of the top two things that you need next to John Morant in a guy who could be his long-term partner. He offers defense, and not only defense in terms of a one way or another, we're talking the potential to be even better than DeAnthony Melton when it comes to defense, because I think that you have that same type of momentum-shifting uh, uh, turnover proneness, the ability to create turnovers at a high rate, both blocking and creating steals like we see the Anthony dude, plus good rebounding. But I also think in terms of an, of an effective one-on-one -on -one defender, Keon Johnson has a higher upside as a one-on-one -on -one quality defender than Melton does, I feel. So, you know, it may not get you excited to compare him to Melton, but that's the type of defender we're thinking maybe even better. That certainly checks a box next to jaw. And with what Taylor Jenkins has done with players of that ilk to improve their shooting and overall offensive effectiveness with as young as Keon Johnson is. I think that Taylor Jenkins could make him become even a serviceable, even an above average value adding offensive guard. And if you've got that two way type of production, you're looking at a long term significant asset for the future of the Memphis Grizzlies. So, yes, especially with Taylor Jenkins coaching his offensive game, I truly do think Keon has the potential to be the long term option next to jaw absolutely i'm very very glad you mentioned d'anthony melton and because i, I kind of thought like i want to use a, a terminator reference that connor dunning always uses when making player comparisons i i think uh keon johnson's upside you know he's like that t1000 d'anthony melton just that supercharged do everything uh guard who's just going to make dynamic plays. He's going to make plays that energize the crowd, get the team going uh, just from a momentum standpoint with his just big-time athleticism, whether it's a poster dunk or a swat off the backboard. But, you know, he also has those good baseline skills for being a combo guard or a guard in this NBA, and that's shooting in the mid-range, that secondary playmaking. Uh, defensive versatility, offensive versatility. There are just so many different ways that I can see Keon Johnson making an impact. You know, right now, I don't have him as high on, on my board. I don't. I think I have him at like 15-ish right now just because there are other players I do like more than him. You know, the Moody's, the Boat Knights, Kisperts, uh, even Zyra Williams. But I, I do think that variance 
of what Keon Johnson could be and with like the high, like the high upside versus his floor. I, I think it'd be a good play. I don't know if I would move up beyond just moving like the 17th pick and the Utah pick to go get Keon Johnson. But if if he falls to 17, you welcome him with open arms because he's a guy that can evolve into a big time player at the NBA level. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Keon will probably go somewhere in the lottery. I would not trade a significant asset past the Utah pick to go up and get him. And I think you also hit the nail on the head that, yes, there is significant offensive upside, but there's a long way to realizing it with Keon Johnson. Um, I'm going to give a perspective of that a little bit later on in the show. But my point is, is that the league is certainly more offensive than defensive. A lot of the immediate value with Keon Johnson is defensively. So I can certainly understand Isaiah Williams, the other players that you mentioned, being ahead of him. And I could also certainly understand that because of that and his value being so much based in his defensive upside, I could certainly see him being someone that falls. But I also see him being as a very clear value, just an absolute steal, if you start getting that late lottery into the teens for Keon Johnson. Absolutely. So that wraps up our Keon Johnson talk. But right after this ad break, we will be talking about the other dynamic Tennessee guard, and that is Jaden Springer. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, so we're back, and Jaden Springer here. He's a bit more of a realistic option, you know. I mentioned on the Lot on Grizzlies podcast that Kai Jones from Texas has become a very popular name for the Memphis Grizzlies in mock drafts. Granted, this is all mock drafts. I don't know how much intel is factored in with all these, but another name I do see in there is Jaden Springer. We saw uh, Ricky O'Donnell from uh, SB Nation have him as a pick. I've seen him around other picks, you know, but the, again, there's – probably about like one or two of these dropped a week. I mean, so it, it kind of varies each time. So, you know, there's going to be one CBA, uh, CBS sports mock draft that may have Springer there and there's one that may not, or, but I do want to ask you, Sean, it's just how much sense does it make to you for Jaden Springer to be a target for the Memphis Grizzlies? It makes sense from a value standpoint and an upside standpoint. You know, we talked about locked on Grizzlies, you know, Jaden Springer, you know, we, I asked you, you know, what, how much do you, you know, what do you put as the perspective value fit or upside? And I think that value and upside wise, Jaden Springer is perfectly fine at 17. I think it makes a ton of sense for that to be there for any team picketing. But does it make sense for the Memphis Grizzlies in certain scenarios where other players could be there? Not necessarily. I think if you look at him and like him or a Zaire Williams, I'd probably go with Zaire Williams because he's a bigger guy who can play the wing. And I think that he's going to be more of a need to fit a role for the Grizzlies going forward. What about Jaden Springer and a Josh Giddy? I don't think Giddy's going to be there, but I would take the bigger guy and Josh Giddy. Kai Jones and Springer probably could go either way. But I think that when it comes to 
Jaden Springer making sense for the Grizzlies long term? Sure. I feel that there is a fit there that makes sense. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I don't necessarily know if he's number one on my board, if other certain guys that are likely going to be there are there, like a Williams, like a Giddy, so on and so forth. At the end of the day, he's a good value with good upside, but I don't know if the fit makes as much sense as bigger wings that we could really use on this roster. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm not going to complain if they draft uh, Jaden Springer. And I, I've said before, I'm uh, the front office, they deserve uh, the benefit of the doubt with each pick going forward until until it fails. And Jaden Springer would be a good pick. Uh, he's a big guard, 6'4", with like a 6'6 wingspan. He didn't shoot a lot of threes, but he possesses good touch, 43%. Uh, 43.5% on a little under two attempts a game, but he also shot 81% from the free throw line, which is another good indicator of NBA three-point percentage. He also has a lot of good defensive traits as well. He's an aggressive defender. Uh, he averaged over a steal a game. And he also just has that size that you want for the combo spot where he can defend positions one through three. But I remember you've, you've said this in Slack before. Because I was shocked when you originally said it, but you know, you, you're not as, as sold on Springer as you are on Keon Johnson, but you've also mentioned that he's kind of turned on you a little bit. So what what were those concerns for you? And just how has he kind of turned around a little bit as a target as a Memphis Grizzlies player? The reason why I'm not as sold on Springer being there as others like Keon is because with Keon Johnson, you've got functional athleticism and explosiveness. With Springer, you have that to an extent, but the bigger selling card to me for Springer is you have functional size. His size and how he's able to use it will be effective on defense against smaller guards, point guards and two guards. With Keon Johnson, you could potentially put him on one through four. With Springer, it's hard to say you could put him on anything other than one through two, though occasionally being able to guard a three. I'll take functional athleticism upside over functional size. And that's not necessarily a negative towards Springer, but I think that's the reason why you see Keon significantly higher in a lot of these mock drafts than Springer. I also think that Keon's fit into a major minutes role is a bit easier because I don't know how long it's going to take Springer to really evolve into a starting caliber point guard or a starting caliber off guard for a really good team. And that's why I question his fit with jaw long-term because he's really going to have to shoot well. Like we're talking about an outcome where he becomes a Fred Van Fleet type player to be able to play with jaw long-term. Could he be that? Certainly. I think an upside for him is kind of a Kyle Lowry, uh, Fred Van Fleet hybrid where he can play like Kyle Lowry at the point, play like Fred Van Fleet as an off guard, but give you a secondary ball handler. Could you make that fit? Yes, but is it as smooth of a fit or as common as a fit as you can make with a Zaire Williams or a Keon Johnson? No, it's not. And so that's why I think I've turned on him. I think the upside is there. I just don't know if the fit for the Grizzlies is there like it is for other players who can play more of the wing and guard more of the front court and do more things in the front court than Springer can. Yeah, I, I understand that, you know. Uh, he doesn't have as as much size as a guy that you may want next to Jaw in that uh, range, whether it's a, a Chris Duarte, who I know we've said you would like to get upside instead, or he may not have that same scoring pop 
as a Cam Thomas or Josh Christopher or guys like that. But, you know, I, I still think he could be a pretty solid player. I think one thing that will bode well for him, and it's something that Brandon Abraham was the originator of this take, and I've kind of agreed with it just because of the landscape of the Grizzlies roster at this point. But it's very likely that this 17th pick ends up playing more minutes for the hustle than for the Grizzlies this upcoming season. And that's going to bode well for a guy like Jaden Springer to where, you know, he's going to get those point guard on ball reps in a more spaced out system. I mean, we, I talked about this earlier in the show with how Rip Barnes just didn't really know how to use Springer and Johnson. I mean, imagine them getting to, you know, that 24 second shot clock, more emphasis on the three, more spacing, could we see a little more unleashed Springer in that sense and letting him develop his confidence in the G League? I think that's a good question to ask, but also, too, like I, I think another good point with that, too, is you could have him develop in South Haven, kind of have him as a, like, quasi-red shirt in the hustle while you're getting a little bit more data on D'Anthony Melton as he's, as, half, as he's halfway through his contract after next season – or Grayson Allen, who is a restricted free agent in 2022. He got, and then Tyus Jones as well as a free agent in 2022. You can take your time as Springer. And I do think that there's a upside benefits to that because, I mean, he's a pretty big guard. You know, if you had him at the point guard, he's, he's big. But, I mean, at the two yard, he's not. But he's a greedy defender. He's a guy that can handle secondary playmaking. And the name of the game around John Morant is getting shooters. And if his – free throw percentage, three-point percentage, and his touch on his floater indicate anything. Instead, he's going to be a really good spot-up shooter at the next level. So I, I can I can sell myself on it, Sean, but uh, I do agree that there might be better options for sure there instead of Springer. And let's be honest also, when it comes to Springer, at the end of the day, size is just one of the things that make up that formula for Mike for getting the prospect that you want. Let's also not ignore the fact that Springer, as you mentioned, contributes with significant potential in a variety of different things that the Grizzlies need. A future secondary ball handler along John Morant. But it's not just that. It's a secondary ball handler that can both shoot and pass. It's a secondary ball handler that can defend and defend effectively as he continues to mature in his game. And it's also someone that Taylor Jenkins seems to favor. You saw that Taylor Jenkins liked to use these three-guard lineups at times. That's something that Springer can do. And the other few things that getting Springer allows for you to do, you saw Taylor Jenkins want to switch from Tyus Jones to Justice Winslow because Winslow added something else. He added defensive upside along with ball handling. It didn't work out, but the Grizzlies really need someone as a secondary ball handler who could do something extra. For Tyus Jones in the 1920 season, it was shooting. This year, it wasn't there, and that's something that really hurt the bench unit. So Springer could be an Herber bench unit type guy. But the other thing that he could do is that if you get a Springer, that's an asset that then allows for you to see what you could do with a Grayson or a Melton, or, you know, I don't think they're going to do it, but a Bain, you could use one of those assets in a trade, in a consolidation effort to go get an, uh, an established NBA player and then come right back with Springer to replace that asset. So there are ways where he truly can be valuable for this team in the short and long term. 
I hate to break it to you, Sean, but after Joe listens to this podcast, he's going to fire you because you suggested the idea. You entertained the idea of trading Desmond Bain. You, I know the trade machine, they have no limits for you. I think the only limit to the trade machine for you is John Morant. But I think this one might be the hammer nail coffin for your run at GBB because you suggested to trade Joe's golden boy, Desmond Bain. I hope, I hope it was worth it, Sean. Well, I'll say this. My whole point is, is that I know that there are some players for different people who are off limits. But at the end of the day, besides Jaw, um, you know, and I'll, I'll even include Jaron in this. I think that, you know, when it comes to the Grizzlies having to make the move they're going to make to get that hopeful star in a trade, it's going to be painful to see the trade package that it's going to take to get it. So that's why I'm keeping my ideas open. But the thing that I'm getting at is, is that if you're even entertaining the idea of including Bain in a package to go get an established star, it makes it a little bit easier to do that when you have a prospect like Springer waiting in the wings. Oh, yeah. No, I obviously just always just tugging your leg there. Uh, I, I do think that a guy like Springer does give you those possibilities or maybe it gives you the 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 comfort to kind of uh, renounce Tyus Jones' bird rights going into the 2022 free agency because you have a guy like Springer ready, uh, waiting in the wings to take over that role. and Or you have – a guy like Melton, or you can pull that trigger quicker and you have a chance to go get a bonafide two guard and you can move promote Jaden Springer after he's had a good amount of minutes with the Memphis Hustle and he's ready to go. He's ready to contribute just like every other Grizzlies young player has over the past two years. And, you know, you kind of alluded to a good point that I think I'm going to talk about this a lot when it comes to this podcast, whether it's that star trade down the road to get Jaws backcourt buddy, or if it's a draft prospect, or if it's a Justice Winslow experiment, or D'Anthony uh, Melton's evolution as a ball handler and a combo guard. Can they go get somebody who can back up John Morant and play alongside him? Because that's going to be very important when the rotations get tighter in the playoffs and you're having to give John Morant like a four or five minute breather. Can can they go get a guy that can step into the one when John Morant has to sit, but he can also slide at the two spot or slide into the three or four when John Morant's on the floor with them. I can see that applying with Jaden Springer because he has potential as a spot up shooter and he's a secondary playmaker. And you know, you know the MO for Taylor Jenkins. He wants as many playmakers on the floor as possible. Whether that goes positions one through five, he wants guys that can make plays from all five positions because it makes the offense dynamic, as we've seen through their high assist numbers over the past few years. And he also loves gritty defense. They they go get deflections. They get in passing lanes. They generate steals. That's something Jaden Springer can do uh, from just a bit of film I've watched and just from what I've read from smarter draft evaluators than me. I, I know I, I led into the question a lot to where I probably repeated a lot of the points you would just say, but do you think Jaden Springer can be a, that guy who can be John Morant's backup down the road, but also play alongside him? Yes, I, I do. I don't necessarily know if Springer 
becomes the satisfying answer to be that starting two guard for multiple years with John Morant. But we saw this work. It especially works, right, if you wind up finding an uber star who could be out there on the wing. Where Jaw, I think Jaw could easily be a one, potentially. I don't necessarily know if I'll call him that in the playoffs for this team. But I think that Jaw certainly is a 1A, 1B with an eventual star that we'll trade for. But if you find a star where that star is the clear talent with John Morant to lead this team, Jaden Springer can make it work. And I think it can work in a similar format that you saw with Van Vliet as well as Kyle Lowry on that 18-19 Raptors team down the road. But the other thing that you mentioned, being able to play when Jaw's not on the court, being able to be that spot-up shooter, also adding a player like Springer with his ball-handling ability, it's going to throw different wrinkles at the defense that they're going to have to be respected on. And this opens up Jaw's cutting ability when he's on the floor with a ball-handler like Springer and passer. Opening up Jaw's off-ball ability as a cutter, as a catch-and-shoot three-point guy to where he can use his speed and athleticism to work off screens and be a shooter. That's an element of Jaws' game we haven't really seen done yet because we haven't really had a ball handler who could play next to him. So adding a guy like Springer could mix into that. So at the end of the day, regardless of size, there is plenty to work with with Jaden Springer. And so while he may not be my first or second choice in this draft or even in the area where the Grizzlies are drafting at 17 as a long-term partner with Jaw and Jaron, he certainly could work. And the thing that I'll end on is this when it comes to Jaden Springer. What is the one area, Parker, that Taylor Jenkins has shown the most ability to develop when it comes to players of a certain profile exceeding their expectations with the Grizzlies? It's tough. It's got to be defense, right? Well, to, yes, to an extent, it's defense, but overall, the player profile is those shorter shooting guards. Look at what Grayson Allen has oh, done I with see. him. Yeah, look yeah. what Melton has done with him. Look what Bain, look what Dylan Brooks has done with him. Both Keon and Jaden Springer fit that profile that Taylor Jenkins in two years has shown so much that he can develop. And that's the perfect type of profile where he could really add two-way value to. So that gives you another indication that Springer does make some sense, even if he may not be the most ideal fit out of this draft class. Absolutely, Sean. And, you know, with guys like Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, and it's something that Sean and I, we've had a lot of conversations with on, on Twitter and in the GBB Slack and, and locker room slash green rooms is the fact that we kind of want to see the Grizzlies take a little bit of an upside swing here at the 17th pick. Granted, drafting a guy who may end up being the backup, but being the combo guard that you play next to John Morant in playoff minutes while he takes on the minutes without John Morant, that's not sexy with the first round pick. But, you know, it could be a very key ingredient for the Grizzlies to win ballgames or trading up for a guy who shot 27% from three into the lottery. That, that may not be intriguing, but, you know, those two guys, they're young enough, and, you know, the college system is weird. I mean, you, it's a slower game, the shot clock. You have different coaches sticking to their principles. They, they are more geared towards the system instead of having the system be around the, the personnel that it has. And on top of that, they had the whole COVID stuff. You had on and on postponements. I mean, I, I know that there's players that they couldn't even practice for like a month or so because of COVID protocols. So 
it's a good benefit of the doubt, but also too, these two guys are upside swings that it can pay off for the Grizzlies and they can go get a guy that they can be a top eight guy in a playoff rotation. They one of them could be a guy that eventually starts next to Jaron or not Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. So as much as it pains me to say as a Ole Miss fan and as a lifelong Tennessee disliker, Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer could be pretty good picks for the Memphis Grizzlies. Make sure you take off your uh, Tiger fan goggles or your Tennessee hater goggles when evaluating any of those potential picks because those two guys are guys that can really make an impact at the next level regardless of which team they're on. So, Sean, I'll get you out here on this. I don't know if we're going to have the, the GBB uh, draft party. It's very up in the air, you know, the whole COVID stuff and planning and stuff. We don't know how many people are, are ready to experience that again. But you'll say, give this answer for if the Grizzlies drafted Keon Johnson and give this answer if the Grizzlies drafted Jaden Springer. How likely are you on a scale of 1 to 10 to blast Rocky Top in the draft party or start singing it from the top of your lungs if they got either one of those two guys? Oh, it's going to absolutely happen. If we draft Jaden Springer or Keon Johnson, I'll be I'll be going live with some other with the, with Locked On since I host Locked On Grizzlies with with that that draft party as well. And the thing that I'll be going live doing is blasting and singing Rocky Top all day long. But there there's a reason why Parker and I I want to end with this if you don't mind. Can can I say mm-hmm. one of the thing about Springer and Keon? Oh yeah, go ahead. So, I wrote a piece last year talking about what the Grizzlies really focus on when it comes to who they draft. And some things that they draft are defensive impact. They draft guys who can add across the board um, contributions, guys with playmaking, as you mentioned, right? The one thing that stands out where Springer and Keon may not fit that bill is shot selection, two area, an area of both of their games that needs to improve. But looked up this stat. Jaden Springer played 648 minutes as a freshman for Tennessee Keon Johnson played 688 minutes, okay? So since the 2009-2010 season, of all the freshmen that have played six, at least 648 minutes, their freshman season in the NCAA, there have been only 16 freshmen who played at least that many minutes who, when they were on the court from an advanced tap perspective, had an, an assist rate of 20% or more, a steal rate of 2.5% or more, and a block rate of 2% or more as a guard, as a freshman guard, okay? 16 of those players. Here is a few of the names that rank high in box plus minus on that list, okay? I knew I threw out a lot of stats, but again, yeah, yeah, guys, that, guys that can steal, block, and can play make as a freshman in a significant role in college. Here's some of the guys that make that list. Lonzo Ball, Marcus Smart, Bruce Brown, Alex Caruso. Those are five guys, right? Or th- four guys who, right there, tell you the type of player profile Keon and Jaden Springer could form into. But also, there's two other guys, Parker. Do you want to guess who those two other guys are on this list? Anthony Melton. Correct. Is it another Grizzly? It is. It's not Ja, is it? It's Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson. Oh, yeah, because he was so if- point guard at UCLA. Yeah. So my point is, is that if you want to look at the future player profiles that not only check a lot of boxes for the Grizzlies with how they've drafted over the past few years, but give you encouraging signs as to the floor that Keon and Jaden can be, 
Lonzo, Marcus Smart, Bruce Brown, Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton, and Alex Caruso. Those are the type of guys that you could see Springer and Keon eventually becoming like with even higher upside. And I think that that type of player certainly has a big role on a future core of the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, that is why he calls himself Stats SAC because he, he has all, he provides you just these insane stat queries, but also they provides you a lot of context to who players are and what they can become. So thank you for leaving us with that nugget there, Sean, because it's going to take a lot of, it's going to be a big pill to swallow for a lot of guys to, uh, to a lot of people to be sold on uh, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. And that's just because of being in Memphis, you know, you, it's a very big tiger town, SEC town. So, you know, just a lot of conflicting interests, but you know what, regardless, we know that the Grizzlies would have made the right pick. If it's those if two guys, forgive, if you can forgive Mario Chalmers, you can certainly support Keon Johnson or Jaden Springer. I promise you. Absolutely. You know, that's a tough note for Tigers to end on, but you know what? It's the end of the show here. Sean, do you have anything that you want to plug in that anything you're working on or anything? Yep. Uh, looking forward to uh, plenty of stuff over at GBB. Love the, opportunity in the platform that joe parker brandon abraham several others support me on over there going to be looking at some different things got a few series in mind for late june early july that i'm going to talk with parker and joe about more to come on that also looking for plenty of draft profiles and covering your grizzlies every day just like gbb does over at the locked on podcast network um, we've received a lot of support a lot of great feedback from you know all walks of grizzlies fans so can't thank you enough for that but the best thing that i love doing besides all those different avenues that i have to talk about the Grizzlies and write about them is the interaction with fine people like Parker. It doesn't get much better when it comes to passion, intellect, and just overall talent when it comes to governing the Grizzlies than Parker Fleming. So can't thank you enough. Hope to certainly have this opportunity again, Parker. Absolutely. You very much will. And you know, there's no not a lot of people better than Sean Coleman to talk Grizzly hoops with. No one really nicer ever to talk about Grizzly hoops with. If you have a, a bad opinion, Sean won't try to dunk on you or anything. He'll just kind of be like, eh, he'll just let it slide. He'll let it slide. He's not that kind to dunk on you. But really, make sure you're uh, subscribing to the Lot Dunkers' podcast and hopping in on his Spotify green rooms. Uh, it's talking grizzness, right? Let's talk grizzness every Thursday night at 8. May change it around every now and then just if I'm on vacation or something like that. But, yes, sir, love getting to talk with you and others. But let's talk grizzness every Thursday night at 8. Sounds good. And make sure you're also reading our work over at grizzlybearblues.com, following us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading every single episode of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network that holds GBB Live, Core 4 Podcasts, 3 and D, the Starting 5 Podcast, and the Long View with Parker Fleming. And make sure you're also writing a review, a five star review for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. And that's all, folks.